we will be spending the next couple of weeks in the book of Jude. Jude has only one chapter, so if someone tells you to turn to the fifth chapter of Jude, don't believe it. It, but what is interesting, you could probably take Jude and at least make two chapters out of Jude if you wanted to. The translators didn't choose to. The first part of Jude, you could look at as Jude addressing the problem that was right before him. And the second part of Jude, this is simple, you could address as Jude identifying the solution to the problem. And in, in between the problem and the solution, you'll, you could put parentheses as he identifies what he is seeing that God is speaking to him about as he is uh, beginning to even teach and write the word that he is writing right here together. Now, Jude was often referred to even in the Bible as Judas. I believe there's about six different people that come into the area Judas, but most would see Jude as the brother of our Lord, the, the stepbrother of our Lord. And he had several other brothers. And, but he also was, there was another name called Judas Iscariot, but they chose not to reference that because they did not Jude, they did not want Jude to cross into Judas Iscariot from what I've read. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, before we look in our text, this is one of a couple places where the disciples and those listening to Jesus were just marveling, and they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? So there we are. And his brothers, James and Joseph, and Simeon, Simon and Judas. And there we find, here comes Jude into the picture. You know, sometimes uh, we, we find writers such as John that has written many chapters. Other writers such as Jude have one shot. They have one shot in the canonical word of God. And here it is that Jude opens up and he shares the burden that God has given him on his heart. And I want to read just the first three verses as we begin this message this morning and study together the first part of the book of Jude. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. In many ways, the introduction is somewhat similar to other introductions that Jude had, but you'll see a, a, other introductions in the Bible. But if you look at this carefully, you'll see that Jude has a little different emphasis than we find in, in the other epistolary writings of Peter, Paul, and John. First, he says, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ. That is a very interesting word because it speaks about a complete sold-out connection, a total surrender. And the word bondservant also can reference those that could have been taken into captivity, and they can't leave. But when we look at this within the context, we see Jude stating, I am captive of Jesus by my will. It is a voluntary commitment on Judas's part that, Lord, you can take me and you can do with me whatever you want, and I will be your servant, your bondservant. 
There's a place the Lord may call us to do things, but really when God gets to the point that he's effectively and powerfully working in every heart that's here, he he wants it coming out of a willing heart. And I believe within the text of Judas' introduction, he says, I am a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I'm willingly there, Lord. And I'm writing this to those, may mercy, verse two, no, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. And here Judas addresses who he's calling. He said, I'm calling, I'm writing to the called. The letter goes out to those who've been called by the Lord God. But with, with this, he also says, beloved in God, those who are deeply loved in God. And I, I just give this to us because it's so easy to forget. There is no one who loves us like Jesus. There never has been. There's no one that cares for us like Jesus. There is no one who roots for the success, the spiritual success of our lives like Jesus. And Jesus is acknowledging this when he says, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus. Now Jude's going to be walking into some difficult areas, but I want us to get what he's saying. He says, I'm writing to a group of people that's kept by the power of God. Later, Jude will write about that, that somewhere in the middle of all the messes, God is keeping in the most amazing ways that we don't even see. I, I wonder if eternity itself will not reveal when we stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, God will show us so many places. He even divinely intervened in every life here to keep us by his power. He changed the circumstances. He turned away the enemy. He moved in different ways, and Jude is acknowledging the keeping power of God. In verse 2, here he he begins to overflow with a common expression we find in the epistles. (coughs) May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. And here he's acknowledging it's not like God just kind of dishes out a little mercy and love. Jude's saying, no, I want you to experience the fullness of God. Jude was rooting for these people's fullness. And he says, I want this mercy, peace, and love to be multiplied unto you. And then Jude, in verse 3, begins to open up his burden that he's going to share with the people. And it's the burden that God has just kept taking me around in the last several days. As at one time I thought, Lord, it'd be nice just to get through the book of Jude. One fell soup, one sermon. And all of a sudden I said, there's two parts to the sermon. There's a problem side, there's a solution side. It's a big chapter. God, I'll have to jump over the high parts to get it. And all of a sudden it began to hit me and connect with me that there was something even I hadn't seen. I hadn't caught in looking at this. So I would look at Jude oftentimes, and I preached on this many times, and I, I would think of Jude, I kind of thought of Jude as a guy with a sledgehammer. He just kind of walked in and goes, whap, whap, whap. And he just, do this, do this, do this. And all of a sudden, as I was reading this time, I began to realize there is something within this text that is exceedingly powerful. And it shows another dimension of this beautiful disciple of Jesus that is so necessary in every Christian's life. And we'll see this together as he goes into the, goes into the third verse. Again, he says, beloved, while I was making every effort, 
And what Jude is saying is, I was pouring my heart into writing to you. While I was making every effort to write to you, and this is what I was gonna write about, I was gonna write about our common salvation. I wanted to write and have you see the greatness of God, the work of Christ, the marvel of his grace, the beauty of his, of his person, his being. I wanted to write to you, and Judah's saying, this was my heart, to write to you of the common salvation. I had my script, is what he's saying. I had my message if you were a pastor. I had my agenda set out here. And all of a sudden, Jude says something happened, and I want us to get this because this has been very deep to me as I've been studying this, and God has been speaking personally to me in different ways through this. He said, I came to this point. I wanted to write to you appealing that you contend I felt the necessity. I'm going to read it beginning of verse, the beginning of verse three. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I just wanted to do it. I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. You know what Jude said? I got diverted. I got diverted in the spirit because this was canonized, recognizing even the power of the spirit of God working in Jude's life. I thought I was going this way and God put me this way. I could say, yes, I thought I was gonna take one message in Jude and, John's, and the Lord says, no, you'll take a couple messages in Jude. But there's something else here that is really important to recognize and maybe, maybe I'll just... Uh, he was a bond servant. He, that is a, a word, doulos. It was a voluntary, voluntary desire on the part of Jude to follow Jesus. But he said, I did get diverted. I got stopped, maybe. Maybe I saw a big red light. Sometimes for us to see the diversion of God, we've got to see a red light before we see the green. We've got to see a yellow light before we'll see the go light. And Jude here is saying that. And and he said, then I, I chose something that God was putting in my heart that you would earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I'm changing the message because I got stopped. There's something else though that's really important here. What Judah's saying is you might have saw me as this rough, rugged guy, but I heard from God and I changed the direction of the message. And here, here came the message. We find it in this, in this verse. The message was that you would just earnestly contend. And the word earnest and contend have within it a connotation. They're very, very close in definition. It's of wrestling. And some of you have been wrestlers. Some of you have taught wrestling. And it's like wrestle. And then you put a double wrestle on that. Wrestle, wrestle for the faith once delivered to the saints. And Judah's saying, hey, this thing is real. Christianity is real. Matter of fact, when Jim and Ginger are up here, I just thought to myself, you know who the enemy's going after today? Our marriages, our children, our grandchildren. And Jude here just comes to that point. He says, I want you to earnestly contend. But here's the point that really caught me here. I 
heard the Lord. And I changed the message. This may not be really, really significant to you. I do not know where you're at in your journey, but there is a place through which if we're willing to listen, God will speak. But it's gonna be in a different place than we thought, in a different way than we thought often. And I don't even know what happened with Jude. Jude might have got to that place of saying, hey, this message isn't working anymore. I've had that before. I have a file at home. I think I still have it of probably 200 canned messages when I used to preach extemporaneous topical sermons. But Jude stopped and he says, no, I'm changing direction because I heard from God. And here comes the message. I want you to earnestly contend. I want you to engage in the spiritual wrestling match to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. When we look at this, we, we see something that is interesting uh, that I, Judah, Judah is basically saying, I got diverted. And I wanna share because this verse is so precious it's, it's just down a little ways, but it's in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 19 through 21. Isaiah, what a beloved apostle of Jesus. I mean, I mean prophet of the Lord, but, but prophesying often of Jesus and his power. And it seems as if Isaiah was one of those teachers that saw the voice of the Spirit speaking long before the Spirit came like he is today. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem. You will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you. At the sound of your cry, when he hears it, he will answer you. And Isaiah is saying, God answers prayer. But then he says, although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. Jude saw his teacher. We don't know how it was. And your ears, notice your eyes behold your, te your teacher. Your ears hear a word. I want us to notice where it is. It's behind you. It's not in front of you. And says, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever, wherever you turn to the right hand or to the left. And Isaiah is saying, there'll come a day when your eyes and your ears will perceive your teacher and it will come from a different direction. You see, we don't look behind us very often, but the word says here, you'll hear the voice behind you. And then he'll say, this is the way, walk in it. And when I think about this in light of Jude here, where he says, beloved, I, I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation. All of a sudden, my eyes, my ears heard. I felt the necessity that wasn't simply human feeling. That was a spiritual sense within him to write to you appealing that you engage in this warfare for the faith which was once handed down to the saints. I turned and went the direction God was speaking. You know, there's probably a lot of ways to measure spiritual success. I, I read a story about a little girl that was watching her dad study and every time the dad was a pastor and every time he would study, she just enjoyed being close to dad and dad didn't mind it. And she would watch dad as he'd make notes. And one time she looked at her dad and she says, dad, where do you get the messages? And he says, well, I get them from God. 
And she says, well, how come you're erasing so much then if you're getting the messages from God? Now, there's a truth there that is so important, though, and that is when God is speaking, he may pull you back, he may put you forward, he may shift you, you might find yourself adjusting without realizing it for a while. It may be an area today that we're, with all of our ingenuity and all of our media and all of our communication, we lose sight of the spiritual sense of hearing directly from God. Or maybe we, re- we react because someone said, I heard from God, and we've been chasing someone down the God, I heard from God road too many times. And so we finally say, I'm just going to get practical and just do what, maybe what I want to do. But I believe Jude gave us this to challenge us in a couple ways. One way is I want you to earnestly contend for the faith, but I also want you to realize I got turned this way to give you the message, and so did I. You know, there's a, there's a place a pastor can rely on his past experience, and it can be very deadly. I used to go back and grab the last message I preached in the book of Jude, and all of a sudden I thought, look out. I may be getting way of the Holy Spirit. There's a place that God works, and we can't even see it, but he's asking us to listen because the message he has for today may not be the message he had for 10 years ago or even one year ago. And the word of God is so divine and relevant. And Judah's just speaking about this diversion of God. And as he was diverted and saw this, all of a sudden he recognized what he would do and he had to leave what he wanted to do. He wanted to write of the common salvation. He had to leave it behind and do what God asked him to do. And you know, really, in some ways, you're looking at this and you say, it wasn't just a great message. for." I run into very few pastors that just want to throw the warnings out there. I really do. If you break everything down and you pull it apart, men don't like to go there because it hurts. But Jude says, I'm going to go here because the people need to hear this. And he begins to declare this message. And maybe for just a moment, I'm going to read a couple of verses beginning in verse 4. And we'll see what, what Jude saw. The message was coming through people and circumstances and attacks upon the church. For certain persons had crept in unnoticed. Notice how they got there. Those who were long before marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and Lord Jesus Christ. He says, here's who they are. And now I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe and angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in their way, as those indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. 
And here goes Jude down the message, look out. And what he's saying is there's a warfare going on in the church you have to recognize because some, sometimes we come into the four walls of a church, we hear great worship, we hear a good sermon, and we say, it is so nice to be a Christian. But Jude is saying, no, what you're gonna do, it's wonderful to be a Christian. It's great to have Jesus on your side, but there's also a place that you are in a spiritual warfare that you cannot deny in the spirit, and the enemy wants to go after in every way. He doesn't play fair. He, he plays for keeps. But Jude stood up and just basically said, I got diverted to give you this message. I listened to God, and this is what God's telling me to do. You know, I, many of you have had many pastors. You've had many teachers in your life. Many of you have been in many churches, and that's okay. But there's one thing that is so important and that is that you hear from the man who's hearing from God. You hear from the man who's hearing from God. I remember the, when I first got here, I told the pastor, the reason I'm here is because I want to hear from a man who hears from God. And Jude was a man hearing from God here, and he was saying, I got this diversion, and I went out another way. You know, diversion is no stranger to Christians. It has been a part of those who have followed Jesus for many years, and they've found them just taken on these, themselves taken on these roads of diversion. Consider Moses, the man who would lead the children of Israel out of captivity, out of Egypt, and the diversion that God put Moses on for 40 years in the desert to teach him he was nothing, to put him 40 years in the wilderness simply waiting on God. And letting God open the door. And then standing at the, at the, on the mountain looking and never getting into the land. God says, they're going in, but you're not, Moses. And God was using this man in a powerful way. Paul, even the apostle Paul, used powerfully by God. But here he was struck down on the Damascus Road. The bright light knocked him down. He had all the orders to persecute the church. He cries out to God, Lord, what will you have me to do? And he didn't say, Paul, go over here into the synagogue and teach. He says, no, you're going to go out in Arabia, and you're going to spend three years there, Paul. And you're going to leave Arabia. And what you're going to do is you're not going to really have a home. You're going to be moving in, in and out of cities and in and out of synagogues. And then you'll start moving in and out of prisons. And finally, you will find yourself a martyr for the name of Jesus. Because this man heard the voice of God. Now, I'm saying that because we are in a church that strongly believes that God speaks. And if we will listen, we can hear. But listening is so important when we think about listening because without that listening, something is going to happen. But there will be diversions when we listen. Some of you here have asked, well, how was your last week? And we spent half of the week up in Washington babysitting four children, and we came back here, and we took care of four, four more for the other half of the week. And it was really nice. But if I look at probably the most important thing that we did in a natural way is we walked out in the orchard that you've heard me talk about, and we walked out into a block of early Fujis that we planted 10 years ago. It's a beautiful block. We poured tremendous into that, building up V trellises. And standing beside me was a man named Steve. 
And another man that run the, runs the orchard was a man named Steve. And another man was a man named Humberto. And we stood there and we talked about, is it time to chop that tree down and completely chop it down and put four little sprigs of cosmic crisp in there to bring them up in production? The fruit is no longer, it's an, it's an oval early Fuji. It's no longer the chick fruit of the market. Apples are fads. You might not know, honey crisp is the fad today. Here comes cosmic crisp. And we stand there and we look at that. And there's one thing I have to do. Listen carefully. Because the men surrounding me in that orchard on that cold day last week of about 25 are a whole lot smarter than me. They know this a whole lot better than me. And the key to orcharding is building around you the people that are gonna give you that which you need desperately in order to make proper decisions. And I finally looked at Steve, the one that's considered the great expert, and I said, Steve, what would you do? And he said, it's your decision, you own the orchard. I said, do it. And I walked away, and it's done this year, unless the Lord comes. It happens in the springtime. But there's something in the natural that's so true in the spiritual. Many, many of you here have worked in some levels of corporations and you've sat on boards and you've watched what it's like. But when you get there, you are there for very important decisions that are gonna impact people, possibly, especially when you get into nonprofits and churches for eternity. And there's two big questions that never leave me in, in, cor, in bo, corporate work, and that is, what is the problem and what is the solution? And you can wrestle with that a long time, but I give this to you because Jude saw the problem. And the solution was here, I felt the necessity, the solution is to write to you appealing that you would contend, you contend earnestly for the faith which was once handed down to the saints. There comes a place in listening, we've heard it in our singing, our worship this morning. I take us to a verse in John chapter 21 and verse eight, right at the very end of John's, John's tenor of writing. And John said, Jesus said something to Peter that is so important when we think about diversion and being willing to move the direction that God is speaking. Because there's a lot of voices out there. There's all kinds of voices. Jesus turned to Peter and he said, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. Could we put in that, could we inject in that, Peter, when you were younger, you made your own decisions. You lived your own life. But when you grow old, and that is the pattern and path of every Christian, he says something else is gonna happen. You will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. I want us to get that to see something about the direction of God is seldom when God's direction is moving is a place that in our flesh we would choose. We don't want it. We resist it. Because when God shows his direction, often he's showing his cross. 
He's showing struggle. But look at this with Peter. Some people say that was all consummated when Peter was crucified upside down as a martyr. And yes, he would have stretched out his hands. And yes, probably the Roman soldiers would have girded him and they would have took him to the place of the cross. And he did not want to be crucified like his Lord Jesus. So he said, crucify me upside down. But I want us to take a prophetic truth here that has spoken to my heart many times, and I believe many of yours. And he's saying, and when you were young, you went where you wanted to go. And once you get old, you'll let the Lord lead you. And you'll listen. And you'll listen really carefully. You know, a lot of times, in, and it, it is so important that, you know, I, I think about this in so many ways. Here, here Judah's writing, and he says, I felt the necessity in the, thir- the center part of verse 3 to go in a certain direction. And then he says, I want you to contend earnestly again, that, that wrestling, that struggle. And when we think about warfare, there's inside warfare and there's outside warfare. It was true in the life of our Savior too. There is opposing forces without and opposing forces within. But Jude was willing to say, I'm going to go in the direction that I am being called to go. And that is not easy. I, I, would, I would guess that there could be many testimonies in this room, and, and I would be one, that it took me a long time to get it through my thick head to go some direction that God kept calling me. I did not want to go down to another church plant and plant a, a church in Yakima, Washington. I called out my leaders and said, one of you can go. You think this is so easy? We sat in a van the day it was unanimous, and I said, you think this is so easy? Then you go. You go to die is what you do when you go to follow Jesus. You go to surrender your will. You stretch out your hands. He takes you where you didn't want to go. And here it was that Jude was was bringing this up as he speaks about earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to those saints. Now, I'm amazed, though, that it's just amazing to me how God gets our attention. It's in so many amazing ways. Yesterday, I was uh, down taking care of this business at a motorcycle shop, I was giving up my motorbike, and, and I asked the guy, I said, how long will this transaction take? And he says, just an hour. And all I'm, this is what happens on Saturday morning. All, you can be, all you're thinking about is Saturday night. You're, you're talking, but I said, is there any place I could study? I'm a pastor. And he says, sir, I have, a, I have a, the perfect place for you. You come over here and there's this big L couch and there's reclining chairs and nobody's there and I'm gonna get you your favorite Gatorade and you just enjoy yourself. And I got back in the chair and on my my iPhone are the notes of the message today that look way different than right now. And I start praying over those and I'm saying, this is so beautiful, the Lord, because I have one hour and here they came. A couple from Yuma, Arizona. Rode their, their, just picked up another used Harley. And they plopped down beside me. And they asked me who I was. And I'm going, well, I'm a pastor. And the other, the guy who'd bought the bike, big guy, you knew who he was. He said, I'm a pastor too. And I'm going, wow, this is gonna last a while.
And then his girlfriend, she said, I just want to come sit by you because I want to know what you're preaching tomorrow. And I said, I'm preaching the book of Jude. And she says, "Uh, what about the book of Jude? And I said, just the book of Jude, half the book, the problem, second, next week. And the other guy gets talking to me about ministry. He actually makes T-shirts with these amazing uh, things in the back. And he started giving me his cards and showing me all these models. And all I'm thinking about is, Lord, how much longer till they go? And finally, what happened was the woman turned to me. She says, you still have never told me about what you're really going to teach in the book of Jude, and I really want to know. And I said, well, I'm going to teach that we, that Jude was diverted from where he wanted to go to be where God wanted him to be. And she says, now you're telling me, and I needed to hear this. I needed to hear this. This is where Jude was. You know, it, sometimes that can seem so long, so far away. And, and notice how he's writing this. He says, I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation. I was just, I, I was really giving it my best shot. And I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. And Judas, Jude just says, I, I've got a message. It's not a different from a different Bible, but it's a different dimension of the word of God. You know, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, I want you to preach the word. You be instant, in season, out of season. You reprove, you rebuke, you exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. But he says, Timothy, I want you to cover the Bible. That's one of the reasons this church has embraced the teaching of, of expository teaching, to just keep giving the word, giving the word. When the word is growing, last week, Sunday, I didn't tell the pastor he's coming. Just walked in, a good friend of mine, in a small Calvary, about everyone fits in a group about this size right here. And he wasn't there either. He had taken off to Israel, and so one of his elders spoke. And it was so great to watch him, uh, watch that congregation just worship God. And he looked out, and his elder knew me, and he kind of just stared, because I've spoke there before and stared. And he stood up there and just preached this tremendous message in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And up here on the stage was six people, and five of them we used to, we used to disciple. And I was privileged to, to sit with two of them face-to-face for a couple hours and to watch how God had worked in their life in the last 10 years, and they began to listen and they begin to see, and they begin to hear. And God does amazing things. But you know, it, I, I can't tell you that what Jude was saying was, hey, here's the freeway, just merge onto the freeway. Oftentimes when God calls you, it, isn't, it doesn't look really, really gorgeous. It doesn't look like it's gonna be easy. Not the calling of God. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, I want to give us this that's uh, right toward the end of the message. And he was just giving this burden. He says, finally, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. So here Paul is equipping the church of Ephesus to be strong, to be equipped, to be ready to fight. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devils. 
That little word scheme has a reference to the serpent movement of the devil that he wants to do in every life. And here, as Judas here, he says, I can see this, that Jude would say, the enemy is going after the church. So I've got to speak about this. And if a pastor is not willing to warn the church when the enemy is going after them, he is no pastor at all. The calling of God is to take the word of God, but also something else to hear the voice of the spirit of God as he begins to speak and as he begins even to whisper into our ear. You know, sometimes we say, what does that mean to hear from God? And there's so much around us that says, well, I heard from God, so God said to go buy this or do this. And we watch it happen. And we say, is that really hearing from God? But there is still in the word of God, and Judah's declaring it, a truth of the word that is so important that we hang on to. And that is, if you want to hear from God, you'll hear. There's one way I think is so quick, and that is, God will speak to us through his word. He will give us direction through his word. The word will come, it will catch us, it will stop us, it will check us, it will encourage us. That's God. I don't know how many times this happened to you, but many times I've been touched by a verse and I poked the guy or my wife later. What'd you think? That wasn't the verse she was touched by because God spoke to me in that verse. It is also one of the reasons it is so important as Christians that we... I love to encourage word study early in the morning. We began our day with God. What we have done is put the word of God in our heart, like David said in Psalm 119, verse 11, that we will not sin against him. We bring God in early, and, the, and God begins to speak. It could be an incident out in the job, a guy that uh, we didn't know, and he begins to speak, and we hear. There's another sense, there's another way that God speaks, and I don't know where this all was with Jude, because he doesn't say. There's that sense that just comes inwardly. Maybe it's a lack of peace. Maybe it's increased peace. Many times I've counseled people, should we buy the car, the house, whatever. What is God telling you in the peace of your heart regarding this? God will speak, but it's just like me standing out in that apple orchard. I could have walked away and said, I just happen to like pink ladies. And you know, when I got there and I told you a little story about it, I thought we were going to plant pink ladies. I walked away and we'd planted cosmic, we're planting, we're grafting cosmic crisp. That's how God works. We hear the word. We also sense it. There's another way God works. It is so powerful. And this is one of the things that's so beautiful about the body of Christ. He works through others. If we listen, God will speak through our brother and sister. We don't have to listen. We can go our own way. But if we'll listen, God will speak. It'll be like a little knock. I've had so many. I have a very good friend in Yakima, Washington, that is disabled majorly. But every time I go see him, his name is Robbie. He has no family whatsoever. But if I sit and listen to Robbie, he will always exhort me in the word of God. And probably he will not even know it. Others. There's another one. He speaks through our, our companions, our wives, our husbands, even our children. God speaks. They speak their heart. We hear God. 
Sometimes as men, we don't want to hear that. We can all relate to that. We can re- I just don't want to go there. I don't want to tell her. She's not going to like this. But if we listen, we'll hear from God. If she's a spirit-led woman, we will hear from God. And I am blessed to be able to say that I have heard hundreds and hundreds of times from God that caused me to go everywhere that God took me. And it's just so amazing, including standing in front of you today. And there's one more that I think about because sometimes this is lost in the honking of horns and the rapid paces of a place like Phoenix, Arizona. God speaks through silence. You know what David said? He said, you you just be still, you'll know I'm God. If you're still, you'll know. And sometimes what God is saying is move all of the debris out. Get away from it. Just get it to the side, get out of the way, and get before me and hear me speak. And when I speak, you'll know. And the peace of God will begin to come to your heart. You'll know. And you'll begin begin to sense that. And I give this to you today as we come to the end because This is what Jude began to write about. We'll be going looking further into this uprising, but also the solution that Jude begins to give in Jesus. But it's so important to recognize this too. Jesus listened to the Father all the way to the cross. His calling was to do the will of the Father. He delighted to do God's will. He heard God's voice. He followed the Lord to where God wanted him to go. No greater example in the face of the earth than this. But the example we have today in the book of Jude is the example of just one godly man that had a message to send to the people. It would have been a good message, and he got diverted. And he sent the message we have before you this morning. You know what happened to this message? It became the word of God not for just those people he was writing to, that all the way down to today, it became the canonized word of God, inspired and breathed by God, giving us a living and a lively hope through Jesus Christ. And you will see more about this answer next week. I encourage you to come back and just walk with us as we walk together. I have no idea where God will even take me. I'm just not one of those pastors and get very far out in front of all this because God will turn me around and he will break me and he will strip me and he will show me things I know nothing to solve. And then he'll say, there's the message. And then we take the message. But I praise God for Jude. But I also praise God for each of you. And I praise God for his Holy Spirit that will never leave us comfortless or without direction. And if we will listen, We also, like Jude, even though we might have been making every effort to write, every effort to live a certain way, it became a time that God began to speak, and we we didn't change the message of Jesus. We just moved to where God wanted us to be. And Jude was still writing the word of God. He was still living the word of God. And I just encourage us, wherever we are today, I think of that, that verse that just simply says, today is the day of salvation. It is today. We know that. And then he says, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your heart. If you will hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. 
because we will not get the message of God. And his voice as it comes, and God says, okay, there it is. And I would guess with a large group percentage of us here, something flashed in our mind during this time. Write the letter. Make the phone call. Pray the prayer. Do what God wants you to do. Because as you do, you, like Jude, are following God the direction that he wants you to go, just like us. You know, I give you this just as one of the servants that that are called here as elders and pastors to serve you. There are so many times we don't know which way to go. We really don't know which way to go. We come to a crossroad. We don't know, but we know who does know. God knows. And when when we come back there and acknowledge God, God, I may not see it, but I know you know the way to go. God begins to open the door. He begins to show us the way. He begins to reveal himself to us. And God gets the glory and God gets the praise for anything that is good that comes out of anything we do. If God's spoken to you today here, though, and and you have... uh, Maybe you've never made the step at all. You've never heard the voice of God. You've always kind of closed the door. Maybe you're a church member. Maybe you've came to been a Calvary uh, member for your whole life. It doesn't matter if you have closed the door and God has spoken. Today's the day to divert. And Jesus just simply says, if you'll come to me, I'll never cast you out. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. He says, when, you, when, when I say come, you just come, and I will show you the way. And there's a sense, and I believe it's true with all of us, I don't think really this message probably does any of us any good unless it comes to a place of saying, this is an area, God, that I could respond if you want me to. Just think about that. Just something that God might be telling you. I just say this as your pastor. Uh, we have so many needs in this community. We have a lot of needs in our body, even in places to serve. This weekend was so light in, in children's ministry. But where God speaks, where God is speaking, follow. Just like Jude. And God will show you the way and great things will happen. But if anyone has heard from God today in a way, you want prayer after the service, we will have prayer te- our prayer team up here who will pray, who has time. There's so many brothers and sisters that are willing to listen, to help, to be that other person. And don't, let, don't, don't shut out, let God speak and just give your life to God. And like Jude, The message just keeps multiplying, and the work keeps multiplying until he comes again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the living hope that is in the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that you have given us this word. You've given us the power to live your word. And, oh, God, I pray that we can hear your voice, and you will give us even the inner spiritual discipline to listen and to read, and to follow, and to pray, and to seek your voice and your face wherever you ask us to go. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here this morning. I thank you for your amazing love and grace. Lord, I thank you that you 
made the diversion to come to us. You did not have to come to us. You chose to come to give your life for us so we could give our lives to others. As after we have given our life to you. So Lord, you have our life. Take us. Make us what you want us to be. May our hands and our feet be your hands and feet, Lord. May they go to our neighbors, our communities, to our fellow people in the congregation. And may we serve like you would want until you come again. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful salvation that Jude, Jude was not able to write about right then that makes it, makes it possible for us to hear your voice and follow your leading. And I pray that we can just follow you until you come again and we can listen to you in the middle of all of the roar of the world that surrounds us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.